You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hour three of BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Lots to get to, so let's jump right on in. Joining us now, Brad Powers of Bet the Board Pod and on X at Brad Powers 7 here to talk about the college football national championship game. So, Brad, let's get to it. Michigan, four-and-a-half-point favorites at BetMGM with a total of 55-and-a-half. What do you like? Uh, I'm more on the Michigan side. I just I think their philosophy on both sides of the ball is just more trustworthy, if that makes sense. I think it's more repeatable on a play-in and play-out basis. I think they'll you know, obviously try to run right at Washington's defense. Probably the, uh, the best way to, to defend Penix in that high-powered Washington pass offense, just keep them off the field, period. So uh, is Michigan capable of doing that? I think so. Washington's obviously defense is the weaker. Uh, if we're you know stack ranking the four units, both offenses, both defenses, Washington's defense is probably the, the weakest of the bunch. Uh, and obviously you saw Michigan for significant portions of the Alabama game win that line of scrimmage, which was you know really impressive. Now, will Michigan be able to sack uh, Michael Penix six times like they did Jalen Milrow? No, but I think they're capable of at least getting some pressure and some guys in his face. Uh, they're deeper a little bit on the defensive line than Texas was. And the major difference with Michigan and Texas is Michigan secondary is better. So, I mean, sure, if Michael Penix is on, and he's capable of doing it. We've seen it, you know, throughout parts of the season. We've also seen him, you know, basically take half the season off down the stretch. I mean, a big reason why they were a significant underdog against Oregon was that this was a Washington team that almost lost to Arizona State, almost lost to Stanford, outgamed by Oregon State, outgamed by Washington State. So uh, if they play like they did against <laughs> Texas and Oregon, sure, Washington's got a chance. If they don't, though, uh, I think Michigan's capable of winning this one by double digits. Why isn't this number closer to a touchdown, and where do you think it goes by close? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I just, even though we're sitting here game 15 of the season, I'm not sure that people, including guys like myself, have a great idea on how to power a Washington because of what I just mentioned. I mean, when they're at their highest, we saw it early in the season. I know Michigan State's not a very good team, but my goodness, Washington put up 700 yards. I would say of all the games played in September, that might have been the most impressive performance of any team in the country in September if you're just going off total domination on a Power 5 opponent. And then they took five, six games off where they didn't look right. Now, I mean, you can uh, the speculation, obviously, is Penix might not have been healthy coming out of the first Oregon matchup. Also, Jalen McMillan, one of their outstanding wide receivers, was banged up for a significant portion when he's healthy. I mean, it's almost – obviously, they have three guys at wide receiver, but it's almost like a, a one plus one plus one equals four type of situation where nobody can guard all three guys for Washington. So th- there might be some legitimate excuses on why they played poorly, but reality is, look, this is the Washington team that's won 10 straight games by 10 points or less. 
you change a player to they're not playing for the national championship. Do you bet props in the national championship or any matchups that you've got your eye on? Good question. I'm not a big prop player. Uh, the one that was intriguing to me was Penix will throw an interception. Last I looked, it was like minus 270. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that's value. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping to get it, you know, maybe under minus 200. Uh, but uh, no, I, I don't play too many props. Uh, the unfortunate, and people are like, well, you're a college football guy. How could you not, you know, dive into a relatively inefficient market? Problem is, I live in Vegas. And believe it or not, we don't have the DraftKings, the fan duels of the world. So we don't have a lot of player prop options on a week-in and week-out basis. So I just don't jump into it on that regard. That is incredible, (laughs) to say the least. Uh, If you're looking at, say, how this college football season went for you, what were your biggest betting takeaways and lessons learned that you can share? Oh, wow. Uh, How long do you guys got? You got a couple segments? No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) It was so many. Yeah, I mean, you, you always, you know, you, you think you have some answers figured out. You're never going to have it all figured out. But coming off last season, which was one of my best ever, I thought I had some things figured out. And then, you know, I thought I had some still some things figured out this year as far as, you know, when to enter the market, you know, getting in front of line moves and whatnot. Results just weren't there. So, I mean, I have to do, I mean, people ask me, what are you going to do? Well, I got a lot of self-scouting because, I mean, it didn't go anywhere near what I – hoped it would be this year and the problem is i'm not sure that i'm gonna have a ton of answers people ask me you know what are you going to change and whatnot i the sports can consistently changing so and maybe i change yeah. you know i when i zig the sport, sports zagging when, when the sports zags i'm zigging so i i don't want to overreact to, to you know a relative a one season sample size but obviously you got a 12 team playoff we have the transfer portal uh you know the nil all this stuff is so different than, than, than just a couple years ago. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm going to have the answers. I, I need more. De- I need a couple seasons to, to see if I got this figured out. Reality is just to show that it, it is different. The, the winner of the national championship on Monday night is probably going to be the least talented team to win the national championship hmm. in a quarter century, probably back to the nineties, especially if it's Washington, if they surprise and win it. So it's just, you know, the stuff that I was, it, when you're evaluating teams in the off season, the stuff that matters just that didn't matter as much this season. And I'm wondering if that carries forward uh, in future years here. Yeah, yeah, sure. That makes perfect sense, actually, because it's more balanced. And it's going to be interesting to see how the 12 teams that make it year after year, how much uh, balance there's going to be there, how many teams are actually going to be in the mix. Um, I Yeah, and you've talked about it on this show, how frustrating bowl season has been compared to other years. That's kind of where I was going, too. So now with the expanded playoff, when you throw it all in, we're going to have 11 playoff games when you add it up. And, I'm, and I know part of this is volume. Like, okay, great. You're just going to bet in the playoffs now. Well, you got three total games in a matter of a couple of weeks here. Um, next year with 11 games, do you, are you thinking that you're just going to go much heavier on those 11 playoff games, which will also be sharper markets, so it's more challenging there. But, hey, at least you're not dealing with all this garbage, which will probably even be, get worse. Yeah, another excellent question. I mean, you got to about you know weigh the uncertainty and whether or not you can price that uncertainty better than market. If you do get it right, you can have some of your easiest wins of the season and some of the other lower level bowl games. But uh, it's sometimes uh, instead of spending hours and hours and hours and then still you know getting in front of a seven eight point line move and still being dead wrong, 
uh, with along with everybody else, I mean, it's kind of, you know, maybe I will tap out and go the easier route and just, you know, remove all that doubt and uncertainty. I know these teams are going to be motivated and whatnot as far as the playoffs. Just get the best number I can. Yes, I might not get in front of a, a three, four-point line move, but I can still feel just as confident because I'm not pricing uncertainty and motivation and who's going to opt out and who isn't and who's going to be coaching and who isn't. And if guys are in the transfer portal, even if they're in the transfer portal, are they going to play, still play even though they're in the portal? Uh, yeah, just th- I, I can tell you one major thing that I did take away from bowl season is I am going to do less volume. I made over 70 bets uh, to, to, on the openers. I got in front on an average. I got more than two points per game on average. Had a losing record, so uh, I, I'm not I'm not going to continue to beat myself uh, up against the wall on that. I'll have less volume next bowl season. As we look ahead to 2024, I know a lot can change, but as we sit here today, are there any teams that you have circled that could, uh, you know, build off what they had this year? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer probably is Ole Miss, just because they went transfer portal heavy. They got, I mean, when you look at stack rank, top 15, 20 players in the portal, I mean, they got three or four of them. Plus, they got a lot of guys coming back. Plus, they're, you know, building off a 11-win season, plus a bowl win. So, they're going to be a very popular team as far as, you know, who's that team that can make a run like a TCU last year, a Washington this year. Ole Miss is probably example one of that. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to probably bet too many national championship futures. Obviously, I still be heavily involved in conference futures, win totals, Heisman futures. But national championship futures, uh, I don't know how many rosters are capable of winning three, four playoff games in a row. Uh, I know George is going to be capable. You don't believe me, pop in that second half when the, uh, they basically had a bunch of true they had like 10, 12 true freshmen playing against Florida State and still were destroying them. So, I mean, they're my favorite going into next year, but a lot of people are asking me as far as national championship futures, I'm going to really default to – I'd like to see the bracket. I'd like to see the pathway uh, for these teams because I, I feel like I can have a really good, uh, you know, futures bet. You know, okay, I, I got them 80-1, to one, and by the time the playoff hits, they're 20-1, to one, but they got a horrific draw as far as the bracket, and, you know, I got a dead ticket in the first round. So – uh, that's an adjustment I'm going to have to make with the new playoff format. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to see how those numbers change with so many more teams in the playoff. But uh, good point. How many teams are going to be able to uh, to make that sort of a run? Uh, NFL Week 18, it's challenging to many. Some are very frustrated with all the backup quarterbacks. Some view it as an opportunity. Uh, on the way out, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners on how to approach Week 18? Is is there Are there any spots that you're looking at? Oh, uh, there's always spots. Uh, it's just, it's all timing now, especially, I mean, that, that's all it is in today's day and age. It's just, you know, you got to be sitting in front of a screen 20 hours a day to, to, to get the information at the right time, especially week 18 in the NFL. Uh, what, what do I do? Uh, if I'm not getting that news right as it's happening, like say, for instance, the Rams are going to, you know, set a bunch of guys. If I'm not betting it right at that time when that news breaks, I like to remove a lot of the uncertainty because I'm not a, a significant originator like I in the NFL, like I am in college football. I mean, I kind of like the Raiders. I think they're motivated. Final game, maybe get their coach the permanent gig. They played hard consistently for him the last eight, nine weeks. There might be some concerns in Denver, to say the least, as far as the locker room. I like the Raiders here. I'll lay the two and a half. Good stuff. Good stuff. Brad Powers of the Bet the Board podcast. He's also on X at Brad Powers 7. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Take care.
Thanks, Brad. Pleasure is all ours. Let's move on now to our NFL contest picks for the final time this season for Week 18. And, uh, Joe, I think we can sneak yours in here. So uh, how about you kick things off? All right. Uh, this is a lot of dogs that I like, a lot of dogs. Uh, a couple Bart. teams that I was considering that, that were very, very close uh, that did not quite make it. But I'm going to start with Saturday. All right. We got Baltimore. We're getting more than a field goal. The number is three and a half here. I like the Ravens. Uh, I, I know there is a chance that they could intentionally co- try to lose the game because there's a there's a pathway to Buffalo getting getting out, and that includes the Ravens losing. But I'm I don't think it's going to happen. Every time this series between these two games is three or higher, almost every time the underdog covers. They're 19 and two ATS, and Huntley, he'll be fine, and you can only have so many backups in. It can't be everybody. So I'm going to take Baltimore plus three and a half. That's one. Another one. I'm going to go to the A, rather the NFC East, and I'm going to go with the Giants. The contest number is plus five against the Eagles. The Eagles could get out to a lead. That would not surprise me um, if they take the first half, if they cover the first half, but we're talking about the full game. I expect them to look at the scoreboard and see that the Cowboys are taking care of business and they're going to pull their starters, including their their quarterback. So I'm going to take the Giants much better with Tyrod. They have been motivated lately. A lot of guys fighting for jobs there. Uh, give me the Giants. Dayball probably doesn't want to lose, even though he probably should. Uh, Giants is a dog. I've talked up the Bears. I'm going to roll with them. I wish it was three and a half, but we got three in the contest. Give me the Bears, quote, nothing to play for. They, they've they had their issues on the road. Let's see if the, if the team that we've seen over the last couple months is for real. Here's their opportunity. Not a believer in the Packers defense at all. Rolling with the Bears. I like the Titans, and the number we got in the contest is plus five and a half. I think it's going to end up closing much shorter than that. Uh, waiting on the status of guys like Trevor Lawrence and a couple receivers for the Jaguars. But the Titans in, in this divisional matchup are going to be very motivated, and they played well at home. They've been a 500 team there. Not impressed with the Jaguars over the last month and a half. So give me the Titans plus five and a half. And the, the last one's tough. I was considering Kansas City just because it's so stupid that the Chargers are favored <laughs> by more than a field goal. Just makes uh, just bothers me. But – I'm going to go with what Brad just mentioned at the end there. I And I agree. I've been stating it throughout the week. I the, the one favorite I am going to throw in there is going to be the Vegas Raiders. Fighting for Antonio Pierce. You got p- important players like Devontae Adams saying this should be his job. Um, I'm going to say that the, the Raiders not only win at home, where they played well, they are 5-3 and three this year at home, but they're going to cover and win by at least a field goal. And Pierce ends up with a winning straight-up record. He would be five and four if they win that game. So going with Vegas, Baltimore, Giants, Bears, Titans, and Raiders. I love it. Any thoughts on that? I have two of the same, uh, but I took the opposite approach. We'll get to that in the next segment. But uh, I have one dog and the rest favorites. Oh, man. <laughs> after i did a whole spiel on motivation here we are doing all of this business uh, yeah i think uh there are one or two that i definitely am uh, backing you with joe but this this is intriguing to me because the, the process is just oh so different this week compared with the other 17 and i don't yes. know if that makes me more confident or less confident but definitely i feel different that makes sense mm-hmm. yep it's in, it's interesting with guys like Dan Aspen, who we talked to earlier, guys that have a lot on the line, like, 
okay, you're either going to win a lot of money or you could win maybe a little or nothing. Like, are they going to be able to stomach taking all these backup quarterbacks? Exactly. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Aaron and I will share our contest picks later on in the show. And Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 in Houston gets us ready for Texans Colts. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now is Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, part of our Odyssey family. Make sure to catch Sean on his show, Payne and Pendergast, weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Central Time. And also make sure to follow him on X at Sean T. Pendergast. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump in on the game that I know you will be watching very closely, Texans and Colts. This spread has been fluctuating a little bit but currently at Ben MGM it's the Texans as one point road favorites with a total of 47 and a half what do you like in this game I uh that that line feels about right I appreciate you guys having me on we're so excited for this game in Houston because it's been a long time since we've had relevant football here since not since the 2019 season have we had relevant football and this was a matchup last year between these same two teams in the same week of the season at the same venue that the story was, will the Texans find a way to blow getting the number one pick in the draft? Which, thank God, they did because they got the number two pick and they got C.J. Stroud, which brings me to the answer to the question as to how I feel about this game. I feel like that line's about right. I feel like the, the Texans are the more talented football team. And yet I've got a lot of trepidation with this game because the Texans normally this season have not responded too well to being small road favorites. They were a road favorite Uh, When they kicked off in Atlanta in week five, they lost on a last second field goal. They were road favorites when they went to Carolina coming out of the bye week. And for the longest, that was Carolina's only win all season was the win over the Texans, another last second field goal. And then they were a three or three and a half point favorite going to New York to face the Jets. And that was just a blowout by the Jets. That was just that was the Texans worst game of the season. And it wasn't all that long ago. So I I am. uh, I'm very up in the air on this game. I, I don't like the fact that the Texans are favored in it. Um, and I, and the fact that it's a road game as well, and it's a winner-take-all kind of thing. Um, the Texans have done a really good job, job of shutting down the run this year, and that's what the Colts like to do. But the flip side of that is they've given up a ton of big plays in the passing game. And for whatever reason, Gardner Minshew does play well when he plays against the Houston Texans. So I'm, I'm leaning, leaning towards the Colts right now in this one. Yeah, it's so remarkable that we're even here. Not only the combination of a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback and that quarterback missing a couple of games, but the weapons too with Noah Brown going down, uh, Robert Woods, uh, Tank Dell out for the season when he was really getting things going. Um, how how are they here? How did it happen? Yeah, the, so the um, I think, look, the, the, it begins and ends with number seven with C.J. Stroud. Um, and, and I think he, you could tell in training camp that he, he got it, uh, that the team was taking to his leadership. Um, you could tell that he was by rookie standards. I think you you could see he was going to have a pretty solid rookie year, especially in this system. And you could also see in training camp too. I mean, we're out there every practice. You mentioned Tank Dell's name. 
You could see Nico Collins, like some of the things that were, I think, maybe a bit of a surprise to America when we started to see it play out with the Texans were all things that we saw early on. So I think that that we knew CJ was going to have a solid rookie year. I don't know that we knew it was going to turn into a conversation where he's literally been one of the probably eight or ten best quarterbacks in all of football. And I think that's where it really starts is he is such a quick study, which is ironic because that was the knock on him was that stupid S2 test coming out of the draft, that, that cognitive test. Mm-hmm. Yep. He is a CJ is a guy who puts in the work, but he doesn't make the same mistakes over and over again. Like he was getting sacked a ton early in the year. A lot of that was on him. And then by week three, he went on a four game stretch where he didn't get sacked a single time. Um, and, and he's just, he's gotten better at kind of taking checkdowns and, and get, taking what the defense gives him where he was a little more, you took a lot more risks earlier in the season. So I think CJ is like offensively, that's where, that's where it starts. But I think it really goes back to the hiring of D'Amico Ryans, which completely changed the culture of a totally dysfunctional building. I mean, I'm sure you guys had seen the stories the last few years, Jack Easterby, the former Patriots team pastor who had miraculously game of thrones his way into basically running everything for the Texans and running it into the ground. He finally got fired midway through last season. I don't think D'Amico Ryans is the head coach here of Jack Easterby still in the building. So I think D'Amico really started the culture change. And in the on-field product, it, it's, it's a lot about C.J. Stroud and a defense that's very improved. They were a historically bad defense last year against the run. They're one of the best rush defenses in football this season. And that all traces back to D'Amico Ryans. So I think those are the two big linchpins. D'Amico is the head coach and C.J. is the quarterback. And now we're off to the races, hopefully. Dang, you took the words right out of my mouth because I wanted to ask you about D'Amico Ryans because we talk about coach of the year every week on this show, and he is the second favorite. He's been in the conversation for more than half a season now. Uh, Houston, 17th in the league in defensive DVOA. As you said, they're really good at stopping the run, which is going to be key against the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. But going back to Ryan's, do you think he has a chance to win this award? I'm seeing like nine to one offshore. Yeah, nine to one. The problem, the problem with that is that the favorite is a coach that just destroyed the Texans a couple of weeks ago with Kevin Stefanski. And one of the top stories in the league is this Joe Flacco mania that's going on in mm-hmm. Cleveland right now. We know these awards are largely driven by narratives, and and I think that's that's a huge narrative in the league right now is how dangerous the Cleveland Browns are potentially in this postseason because of the way Joe Flacco is playing. And so I think I I would be very surprised if there's enough that D'Amico could do in this game although it is a national stage and the Texans haven't played in a primetime stage like this it literally in years um so you know maybe that's something that gets a bug in the ear of, of some of the people who are voting on this thing but nine to one and I think Stefanski's like the opposite he's one to nine or something yeah, like that so fl- exactly. flipping that in six- <laughs> yeah so flipping that in 60 minutes of football um, I, I think is, is going to be awfully tough for D'Amico to do. I obviously doesn't diminish what he's done this year, which is nothing short of miraculous to get a team that looked the way the Texans did in 2021 and 2022 with all the dysfunction on and off the field to, to get them to where they've got a chance to, to win 10 games and make the playoffs is, is incredible. And if Kevin Stefanski isn't winning games with all these different quarterbacks, then D'Amico Ryans probably wins the award, I would think. Maybe even win or lose this Saturday might win the award. 
Another award to talk about, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Jalen Carter is the favorite, but Will Anderson has the second shortest odds at plus 225. Kobe Turner is suddenly gaining steam at 6-1. to one. Do you feel like Will Anderson has one more monster performance in him to be able to capture this award? I do. We talked about this exact thing from the betting angle and everything on our show, on my show on, here on 610, like literally 30 minutes ago. I think we talked about it in the last segment of my show. I do. I think Will Anderson with a huge game on Saturday can can take this thing home. And it's the reason why is because his odds on this thing have been crazy, like stuff that I, I can't remember seeing. Like when he had that huge game against Denver earlier this year, I think it was in week 13, he went from literally 14 to one down to plus 140 to win the award. And then he sprained an ankle against the Jets and he missed a few weeks and his odds go back up to, I think, 33 to one in some places is what I saw. And now all of a sudden he has a huge game against uh, Tennessee where he's only on the field for 12 snaps, but he has two sacks and six pressures. And now he's down from from where I've seen, you know, he's you know somewhere between three to one and four to one. Jalen Carter's still a pretty heavy favorite. But Will Anderson has shown he can gain ground before, and I think he is the one guy who I think when it comes to stuff like this that we're talking about right now, awards and things like that, Will Anderson is the guy who's got a real opportunity on Saturday to kind of make a big statement in front of a national audience in prime time, for sure. I I absolutely think it, it is still in play that the Texans could replicate what the Jets did last year and get the offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Uh, so earlier in the show, this is what you do in week 18. People uh, dig up incentives. Like, uh, is a team going to be willing to make sure that this player gets a few more touches because they, they might get paid or, you know, uh, maybe they share mm-hmm. it with teammates. Like if the Seahawks make the playoffs, Gino gets an extra $2 million. There's some big ones like that. And there are a couple of ones that are in play for the Texans and just, you know, more about how this coaching staff thinks. And obviously the result of the game is above all else. But do you see them maybe getting it to Dalton Schultz a little bit extra? Six receptions, he gets a half a million, 107 mm-hmm. yards. He gets another quarter of a million. Uh, there, I know there are some hanging in the balance for Devin Singletary as well. Are you expecting big games from Schultz and Singletary? Singletary for sure, because the Colts don't defend the run very well. And Singletary has been a huge, huge part of this team's success when they've played well. Um, He's rushed for over 100 yards three times this year. They've all been since week 10 against Cincinnati. And, I mean, Devin Singletary is one of the leading rushers in football since the middle of the season. When he's gone for over 100 yards, the Texans win football games. They're undefeated when he's gone over 100 yards. They're going to do whatever it takes to win this game. And the coaching staff, they may not even know about the incentives or whatever. I'm sure they do, but they're not going to – that, that's not going to impact anything as far as usage. They are using Devin Singletary like a bell cow right now. So I would take mm-hmm. – I j- actually jotted that down on my notes here. I would take over on whatever the props are for Devin Singletary, rushing yards for sure. And and as far as Dalton Schultz goes, it's interesting. I don't think they have a choice but to involve Dalton Schultz heavily in the offense because they're so bereft of weapons right now. Um, not bereft, but they're they're down weapons right now. I mean, Tank Dell's been out since the Denver game in Week 13. That's really impacted this offense's ability to stretch the field and open things up. And I think they're going to want to continue to have C.J. Stroud get the ball out quickly because he's only a week or two removed from a concussion. So they don't want him taking hits, and I think that equates to Dalton Schultz getting the football a decent amount in this game. Look, he's there. He's probably their second most effective weapon in the passing game behind Nico Collins. Noah Brown looks like he's going to miss this game. 
Robert Woods is more there for his veteran savvy than he is to make a bunch of big plays downfield. Um, and the young receivers they have just haven't been able to get out of first gear, John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson. So I think, I, I think just by necessity, Dalton Schultz is going to have to be a big part of this game plan. So I like, I like overs and big money in their paychecks for both of those guys, for sure. <laughs> I know you mentioned the Texans will probably be looking to the ground game, but I noticed C.J. Stroud over one and a half passing touchdowns, minus money at most places. One book does have it at plus 102. Is that something that would interest you? I, no, I would stay away from that one just because, um, because one, I, I do think – like. Running the football is going to be a key here. They've not been good in the red zone, the Texans, this okay. this uh, this season. And lately they haven't been good in the red zone. The game last week against Tennessee, 26-3. to It was 26-3 to because they kicked four field goals and they had a defensive touchdown in the game. They only scored one offensive touchdown in that game against Tennessee. Um, they've run the football better in the second half of the season, but it's still an offense that tends to bog down when they get inside the 20 and they don't have as much room to work with. So I would probably stay away from that. And if I had to pick a side, I'd probably go under the one and a half passing touchdowns just because the Texans have struggled. They, they've moved the ball fine between the 20s, but when they get in the red zone, I, if there's Kymie Fairbairn props out there, jump on those. <laughs> if, there's, if there's a field goal prop for Kymie Fairbairn, jump on those because the Texans have struggled in the red zone this year. It's a great question, but I, and I, and the Texan fan in me wants to go over on everything, but like, I, you know, you start to right. think about their struggles <laughs> and yeah, I would go under, especially if it's, especially if the favorite is over minus one uh, over or not, a, if the fate, if over one and a half is the, is the minus money is the favorite. I would definitely stay away from that. Yeah, I think the red zone woes, that's probably how this game stays close. So that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, let's look at the AFC playoff picture here. Are there teams that maybe you want to back here because you think that this could very well be a crapshoot? Or do you feel like the Ravens will ultimately run away with this? I think it's the Ravens invitational. I, I think the, the, this, the structure with seven teams feels like such a big advantage for teams that, that have, uh, that one, have a home field to get, the, get a week off two home field throughout. And in the case of the Ravens, them clinching it early, I mean, you can make an argument that the Ravens might feel rusty after they get to the divisional round because mm -hmm. of how little football they're going to have played over the course of the three weeks. We saw the Ravens, the Texans did in week one, and they were good then and they're better now. I, I just, I, I have a hard time trusting any of these other teams in the AFC. The weird thing is I feel like the, the, if I had to power rank them, the second one I would back would be the Buffalo Bills. And if the Steelers win on Saturday, then the Bills literally are either the two seed AFC East champions or they're out of the playoffs altogether. It's a wild, wild year in, in the AFC. And that's why, you know, the, look, the division is still in play for the Texans, too, because if Jackson, if the Texans win and Jacksonville loses, then the Texans get that four seed. Cleveland's a really interesting one. Um, I, you know, the, that defense is going to travel really, really well to some of those places they're going to go play. And I think Cleveland's going to be favored in their wild card round matchup over whoever they play on the road from the AFC South. So if I'm, if I'm power ranking them, I probably go Baltimore one. If Buffalo gets into the dance, then two, because they're going to be the two seed. And then probably Cleveland after that. I just, I don't trust the Chiefs. I have a hard time, even though I love the Texans, trusting anybody coming out of the AFC South. And and so, yeah, that's that's kind of how I think the AFC – that's my outlook on the AFC. Sean, less than a minute. Any other uh, quick plays that you have for this weekend? 
I do. Yeah, I do. Um, two plays that I have, I'm going Detroit minus three and a half. Minnesota's a mess right now. Detroit still has something to play for, even though it's infinitesimally small. But Dan Campbell is going to start and play all his guys. I think three and a half is a gift, especially coming off the game they played in Dallas last week. They're going to come in hungry. And then Jacksonville minus five and a half in that Titans game. I just watched the Titans last week. I, they're, they're still trying to score a touchdown out at NRG Stadium, I think, right now as we speak. Um, I think Jacksonville's got a lot to play for. If they Potentially, if they lose, they're out altogether or they're winning the AFC South. So I love Jacksonville minus five and a half. Well, they need to kick them out then. That's the rule. Sean Pendergast of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight, right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to our lightning bets in just a bit, but first, we have more contest picks to dole out. Aaron, how about you get going? All right, let's start. So, yeah, I have a couple of the same ones that Joe has, but uh, mostly different here. So, we'll start with the Ravens, <laughs> plus three and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I have all favorites Wait, and no. one dog. <laughs> There's yeah. your one right here. Exactly. Same, same, but different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that. So uh, Lamar not playing, obviously, but we all know Tyler Huntley is serviceable whenever he is inserted into this offense. The other thing is John Harbaugh is petty. We know this. And they hate the Steelers. And if they can squash their chances of making the playoffs, I think they're going to. So I like the rinse in this position as well i will be on the texans shocking i know when am i not betting on the houston texans i love them they're like the darlings of the nfl if it's not props i like them on the side and i just think this is a big game for them i think cj stroud will be come up big and maybe looking at some props in this one as well we talked about how good the texans defense has been and they've really gotten things together the run d is awesome i think they'll be able to stop the colts so i like the texans minus one the bucks at the panthers so the nfc south title is you know up for grabs and the bucks you know they're trying to get that spot we've seen baker mayfield playing very well and this is a situation where you're going up against the worst team in the nfl so i like the bucks not gonna overthink it in this one uh sorry i'm like yes patriots minus one and a half another favorite bailey zappy i like him better than mac jones by the way i cannot wait to get paid out for those Mac Jones under passing yards for the season. That's going to be a great day for me, but I expect Bill Belichick to be competitive. This guy's got a massive ego. I think he's going to want to win this game and win it big. If he can, I mean, there's talks about what team is he going to next? If he loses this game, you don't want to remember that he hates the jets. And I think it it's 16 straight times they've beaten them. Or is it 17? It's something like that. It's crazy. The jets, uh, one, two, three, Cancun. That's what they're doing right now. So 
Bye bye Jets. Pats minus one and a half. And finally, Antonio Pierce. You know, it's another coach I love. I hope he gets the job. Just like Paul's story with the Aspen family, my family, big Raiders fans, I quickly jumped off that bandwagon. But, you know, it's still in my blood. Uh, my dad and my brothers are big Raiders fans. And I think it would be cool to have Antonio Pierce around. And I think they'll the players will be motivated to help him get that job. So Raiders minus two and a half. So we've got Ravens, Texans, Bucks, Pats, and Raiders. Is it because, Aaron, your family has lived in every place the Raiders have also resided, which would be what, Oakland, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas? Is that? We went to Raiders games as kids in L.A., so, and I think uh, my dad's from Vancouver, and I, I don't believe he had access yeah. to many NFL teams there, and I think the Raiders were one of them, so he just ended up watching them and liking them. Plus, they were good back go. then been yes. decades yeah <laughs> oh, no kidding no kidding all right uh as for my picks uh first off process i did a swipe through all of the games and looked at which i could predict comfortably with my model and if they could make the list then i went through again to look at how the market might overrate motivation and i was able to get to five that way so at number one here is the saints minus three this is my model this is not my heart and soul, boys and girls. This is my model saying that it really should be Saints minus four and a half. We know the Falcons passing game is abysmal. Saints don't have to muster some exceptional coverage unit to win that battle. But the Falcons defense has given up a lot of chunk plays and on passes beyond 20 air yards. Opponents have a passer rating of 105.2. Big Chris Olave vibes for me, even despite limited work on Wednesday. Next, I've got the Lions stuff at minus three and a half. I believe both teams will be motivated by outside chances to improve, improve playoff seating or perhaps get into the dance in the first place. Jared Goff performed well against the Blitz. 10th in success rate, 11th among qualified quarterbacks in EPA for drop back. Run game can shine if defenders overcommit, so give me Detroit. Then... I've got the Dolphins plus three here. Too many points. Could see a very different game than the first meeting. Bills have lost a ton of, uh, on defense where Miami will look much better. If there is inclement weather in the forecast, I trust the ground game for Miami a little bit more than I do Buffalo's. Won't be just Tyreek Hill, no matter his condition, blowing the top off the defense. They're working in other guys to be more, ex to be more effective. So give me Miami to cover here. Next, Seahawks. Minus two and a half. Don't read too much into Arizona's win over Philadelphia. James Conner, he was solid, but he went nuclear. Greg Dorch is okay, but he went seven or seven for 82 yards. Kyler Murray's best outing of the season. None of those things are going to happen anymore. So give me the Seahawks there. And then finally, Titans plus five and a half. I do believe Mike Vrabel is trying to win this game, all while the Jaguars are dealing with injured quarterbacks, non-existent quarterbacks, whatever. My guess is Will Levis doesn't play, but I think Ryan Tannehill can be serviceable enough to cover the numbers. So Titans, Seahawks, Dolphins, Lions, and Saints. All right, lightning bets time. Joe, how about you kick things off there? All right, uh, my last show of the week. So there's going to be a lot of plays that I did mention in the contest and a couple of props. Uh, Bears plus three. Wish I was still getting a three and a half, but uh, three's painted across the board. I don't think we're going back up to three and a half, but maybe you want to wait and see that. There is a two and a half out there, so it makes me wonder if the market is going to uh, end up trending that way by the time we get to the weekend with you on the Titans. Love that play. That might be my favorite side of the week. The Titans getting five and a half right now. 
I another number. I do not expect to close uh, that high, but it depends on the Jaguars injury report the rest of the week. So Bears, uh, Titans, let's go Giants too. There's a five and a half out there. Um, I like the Giants uh, there. You know, I'm probably going to be on the Ravens, and there's a four available if you're looking. Ooh. So those are the four four sides that I do I do like. God, could it get any higher? I don't know. Uh, of the props available right now, Sean talked me into it. Uh, Singletary, he's going to have a good game. And uh, right now, his rushing prop is out there because it's a Saturday game. It's 61 and a half. That is a low number for the amount of touches that he's been getting. 61 and a half or total yards, 79 and a half. I like both, but I would lean rushing. And uh, Derrick Henry, anytime touchdown, is plus 115. I think they're going to find a way to get Henry into the end zone. You know, I'll, I'll look at guys like Evans and Higgins, some other narrative stuff. I want to see what the Chris Jones sack number is for $1.25 million. I want to see what that number is, but uh, none of those are posted at the moment. Yeah, I love the Devin Singletary as well, but I would bet it soon because some books have 65 and 66 and a half. So oh, man. Good look Ew. on that one. Um, I love the Ravens, so I will be on the Ravens side. One uh, side that ne- I don't think any of us bet, and this will be shocking coming from me, but I think I'd lay it with the Cowboys. The commander's defense has been awful all season long. Do we really think all of the sudden, the last game of the season, they're going to get up and be able to stop the Cowboys? No! Let me lay the giant number with the Cowboys. If Ed's not on them, I will be. Oh, boy. Well, I'm betting Washington. I never. <laughs> I, what about? <laughs> All right, question. When Aaron no. goes Cowboys. Oh man, we've gone too yeah, far. That, hey, I was right that, about that's them when a couple a, times this season, and you even gave me credit for it. That's yeah, when there's a remember? rip in the space-time continuum when Aaron is backing. What about a, a first half bet, uh, either in addition to or in lieu of uh, Cowboys minus seven and yeah. a half in the first half, uh, what was plus the... one hundred five. What was the score the last time they played? A it million to nothing. Exactly. Yeah, it was a blowout. So I'm not, I don't need no first half bets. I'm not scared. I, we were game. just talking about, about teaching grammar to our children during the break. And she's like, I don't need no. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there, there are like Eagles and Cowboys. Those are definitely the games where you would go first half, right? Like those are the ones that you want to take a look at. Plus, I'm getting plus game. money for half. So, so Eagles, be... man, there's some two and a halves for the Eagles first half. Really? Oh yummy. yeah. There are also three and a halves, but uh, there are some two and a halves. Uh, and Very the Cowboys, nice. Cowboys first half is seven and a half. It looked no. There's a six and a half out there. Ooh, that's pretty good. Cool. Okay. Good deal. Uh, far as my lightning bets go, uh, everything's basketball related. Uh, Nuggets, Warriors, Denver allows the third fewest three-point attempts for 100 possessions. Dubs are enjoying positive regression. So I like Jonathan Kaminga to muscle his way inside, go over 13 and a half points. If you want to do Dubs money line at plus 125, I think that's tempting. They could go up to 500 with a win. Then college basketball, San Francisco and Pacific. Big spread, but I'm going to lay the 19 and a half. 
Dons are 17th in effective field goal shooting, 10th in forcing steals. Tigers may be the worst team in the West Coast Conference, so I think that's good. And Towson Mammoth under 130 and a half. Tigers play at the slowest pace in college basketball. They are at home where it's easier to dictate style of play. The Hawks are closer to the middle of the pack there, so this is going to be a slow game. Paul? Oh, Miami shot the absolute lights out last night against Clemson. Like, could not miss. Uh, so that was tough to take. But, no, I don't have much. I'm like, I've got a couple of NFL sides that I've mentioned throughout the week. Giants, I'm definitely on. They're, like, Giants money line could definitely be worth a play. Bears money line will absolutely be worth a play. Um, I'm with you guys mostly on the dogs uh, that you have mentioned. So, I agree with a lot of that. Rams is one I want to look at, too. Like, is that a first Mm -hmm. half play? Um, Yes. So, but yeah, taking taking a night off from the the hoops after taking it on the chin a little bit last night. Nice. Me too. Very nice. Anything else you guys want to make fun of me for? Yeah, you're awful food. What? (laughs) Detroit-style pizza? And maybe it's because I'm in Chicago and I see it all the time. But, like, just buy a loaf of bread and, like, a can of sauce. And that is wow. It's not. Good. It's all bread. It's all it's bread. You guys enjoy your casseroles, okay? I'm going to enjoy what? Detroit style pizza. See, uninformed because actually most people here don't order stuffed. That's that's not Facts. the popular pizza. Yes, tell them, Jake. Thanks for watching and listening to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. For those listening, Jim Rome is next. For those watching on Twitch, stay tuned for the Daily Tip. Take care, everybody.